experience. That's not what I'm getting at here. But I am getting to this point, and that is that God is always good to us. I was uh, listening to an evangelist a number of years ago, and he had uh, had uh, spinal meningitis and lived in, the rest of his life in constant pain. And uh, when he woke up, he had lost all of his memory. He did not even know who his wife was. And, um, and uh, God was gracious and allowed him over the years to learn how to walk and how to eat again. And he had to relearn everything just like a little baby. And uh, had to learn who his wife was and his kids. And he would go around and travel the country and he would make two statements in his preaching. He would say this, God is always good and God is always right. You could look back on his life and say, if any man could doubt either one of those two, this man could certainly do it. But yet, for him to stand up and with a wonderful smile and the joy of the Lord in his heart say, God is always good and God is always right is quite a testimony. And it's a shame that sometimes it may take something like this fellow went through for us to get to that full realization of those two facts. It would be wonderful if you and I could recognize that, uh, having our senses about us, having a, the ability to uh, praise Him now for who He is and what He does in our lives. And uh, God is always good. He's always right. And I found this to be true. He's also always on time. And I love, there's some, somebody wrote a song a number of years ago uh, about the story when Lazarus died. And uh, the news came to Jesus that Lazarus was sick unto death and the Bible says that he tarried, he stayed uh, for a few days later. and It was four days before he came and met with Mary and Martha. And the songwriter wrote, when he's four days late, he's still on time. And I'll tell you, I love, I love the fact that God's timing is not our timing. There's times it makes me bite my nails and fret and wonder sometimes. But on the back side of it, we look back and we praise Him for His timing. You ever thought about this? And I, I, this isn't our message this morning. I, I was thinking this this week. I was talking to uh, one of my daughters, and uh, they'd been praying for something, and there's a chance that it may not happen. And uh, and I told, and she was going to be disappointed. And I said, I said, Liz, have you ever thought about praising God for that too? You know how many times that we and we don't see it because we 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 don't see the other side of this this thing. But you know how many times God has kept us from things that would have been a mistake, things that would have been hurtful. And so when things don't work out, I think we can even praise Him for those things, even things we've been praying for. Because God in His infinite wisdom oftentimes is able to keep us, and especially if we have a heart seeking for His will, He keeps us sometimes from things that He knows would be a hindrance to us. And so I think even in those times there ought to be a time of thanking Him in fact, the Bible says, in everything give thanks. That's a hard, an easy thing to understand, a hard thing to practice, isn't it? It's hard to practice. So that's not even the message this morning, but just some things that I've been so grateful for in my life, even this week, how good God has been. And uh, sometimes even when He doesn't do what you expect Him to do or what you've been praying for, even then, He's still good. And uh, He still has given His blessings to us. Let's take our Bibles this morning, if you will, turn to Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. And I uh, uh, really enjoyed the Sunday school hour uh, this, this morning and looking forward to next week finishing up our study on the, the seven feasts uh, that God uh, gave in the book of Leviticus. 
and uh, how they represent uh, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout history. And uh, just looking forward to the wonderful time spent around His Word. Uh, Wednesday nights, if you're not, if you haven't been coming, we've been studying prophecy in the end time events, and we are in the Book of Revelation right now. We're uh, going to be studying about the Church of Thyatira uh, this this coming Wednesday night, Lord willing. And uh, if the rapture happens, we won't be doing it here. We'll be doing it in heaven, and I won't be the teacher. I'm sure God will take over the teaching responsibilities when we get there. Uh, so. Uh, isn't it wonderful? One of these days we're going to know all these things. They're going to be absolutely clear and perfect to us. And then you don't have to put up with Brother Greg saying all this stuff from the pulpit. You can uh, hear, hear the message perfectly from the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter number 4. Let's begin in verse number 21. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 21. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man his truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Uh, let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Father, we pray that you'll bless the time that we spend here together in your word and that you will guide us. Lord, that your Holy Spirit will give uh, clear, clear illumination and understanding. And Father, more importantly, not only that we know and understand your truth, but Father, we're living in a day where there is a dire need for men and women who name the name of Christ to do, to put into practice, to apply the things that many times we already know. The truth is, most of the truth that we look at in Scripture are things that we're already aware of. Father, we're just in need to be reminded of them. We're in need to be uh, encouraged and strengthened to apply and to put them into practice and place in our lives. And Father, sometimes even maybe to draw the points of application, to be able to see in what areas these things need to affect our lives. And I pray that you would give great guidance there that your Holy Spirit will help work in our hearts. And may we say the right things. May we encourage folks in your word. May we instruct from your word. And Lord, where it's needed, I pray that it will bring reproof to our hearts and our minds, that we'll see the need to change, to grow in some areas of grace. And I pray that you would help us to then leave this place walking closer to you and then more in line with your word, more in line with Scripture, more pleasing to you than we did when we came in. 
Lord, draw our hearts to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul begins in dealing these with these particular issues in verse 21. He speaks of the fact, if so be that ye have heard him, being of the Lord Jesus Christ, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation. Now, we're going to see the word conversation here used two, two different times in the, in the passage that we read. And each time it means something different. You say, well, Pastor, how do I know when it's talking about one and when it's not talking about the other? Or when it's talking about the other? And we know it by the context. The Bible oftentimes <clears throat> will tell us very clearly what it's speaking of. The other time we find the word communication is in verse number 29. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication, and then notice these next five words, proceed out of your mouth. So we know that that communication is dealing with what we're saying. When we look at it in verse number 22, we find that this communication or conversation that is spoken of here, uh, that, that is being dealt with here, uh, and I, I'm sorry, I use the word communication, it's conversation, and I think I found it somewhere else in there. Uh, maybe I, I miswrote that, I'm sorry. But anyway, in the words of conversation, what we're dealing with here is not what comes out of our mouth. And I forgive me for that. But it's what our lifestyle is, what we do and how we live our lives. So very, very important that we understand this. As we get to verse number 22, he says that we put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. We've talked about the old man in our services before. The Bible says this, which is corrupt according to the, and I like the way that Paul words this, According to the what kind of lusts? Deceitful lusts. You know that our lusts are deceiving. There are times that we will take and act on our lusts and put the blame on it being God's will. There are times that we desire something and then we pray for it to happen. And when the door opens and the opportunity is there, we assume that that is God's will for us. And that is not always the case. We've got to be so careful that we understand, according to the Bible, what God's will is and what our lusts are, what our desires are, the fleshly nature. Uh, I've seen people that have prayed for a particular thing in their life, and their, their, their uh, prayer goes something along these lines, Lord, give me a verse that shows me uh, how, how I should respond in this thing. And they'll be reading a passage of Scripture, and they'll take a verse, one verse, out of its context, and it will fit and apply to what their decision is that they want it to be. And they'll say, because God gave me a verse, I was praying about it, and this verse popped in my head, and so all of a sudden now I can do this. It must be God's will. Can I tell you this? We've got to be careful of this for a number of reasons. One, oftentimes we already have in our hearts what we're going to do. We just want God's approval of it. And number two, oftentimes when we do that, we find a verse of Scripture because we are wanting to find that verse of Scripture, and we pull it out of the context in which it was set in and the truth that it was teaching to us. And so we've got to be careful of these things. These lusts that we have are deceitful lusts. I think sometimes we think in terms of the fact, well, I'm a Christian. I've got the Holy Spirit living in me. And I can tell when it's my lust and when it's something that God wants for me. The truth is there's sometimes we can't tell. There are sometimes that that lust is deceitful to us. And I'm not speaking here so much of, of immoral sexual type lust that we often refer to that word as, but lust being any unnatural desire or things that are from an ungodly standpoint of a desire in our lives. And there are times that we can trick ourselves, deceive ourselves into thinking this is what God has for me and it's not what God has for us. 
We've got to be careful that we understand and have discernment in those areas. But notice what he says in verse number 23. He says, and be renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed. Uh, I'm thankful the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. But there's another place that the Bible teaches us in the New Testament that says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The idea being not that we're earning our salvation, but the salvation that we have, we're to work on that. We're to build on that. We're to have that faith that we grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this responsibility, even though the Holy Spirit will help us and guide us in that, the responsibility to take the action to try to, to, try to grow spiritually is something that we have to purpose in our hearts. We have to say, Lord, I long to grow. I long to walk with You. I want to do Your will. If we don't have that kind of a spirit, then the growth is stunted. In fact, there are people, the Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews, that have been saved a long time. And, and the writer of Hebrews says there are some that have been saved so long that they ought to be teaching others about the things of the first oracles of God. And he says, you have need yourself to be taught those same things. Wouldn't it be sad to say, I've been saved for 20-some years, 30-some years, and still have to understand the very basics of what the Bible teaches? And so Paul says here that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And notice in verse number 24, he also says this, "...and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness." In Romans chapter number 12, we find a wonderful passage where Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, verse number 1, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? Anybody remember? A living sacrifice. You know what that means? It doesn't mean I'm to kill myself. It means I'm to take my will and I'm to kill it. I'm to destroy the will of myself. And then I'm to lay my will on the altar of God and say, Lord, I don't want my will, I want your will. I want the things that I want to be the things that you want. Help take that and use it. And so we're to make ourselves a living sacrifice. The Bible says, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse number 2 says, and be not conformed to this world. The word conformed has an idea of with molds and pressure and with uh, the, this. I remember years ago my mom used to make the, the poor man's popsicles, you know, the Kool-Aid with the toothpicks and the ice trays. You all get those when you were kids? There we go. You all speaking my language now. And uh, we had those uh, popsicles because we couldn't afford the ones in the store. And, uh, and you know, I, it was interesting because Mom found these trays one time that had these little characters in them. And she would pour that, uh, that Kool-Aid in there, and after it froze, we'd pop them out, and they had little characters on the end of the stick. And they took on the image of what they were molded to. And the truth is, when we talk about, when Paul talks about uh, being conformed to this world, there's, there's a mold the world wants to press us into. There are, there are standards, there are things that the world socially accepts or don't accept that they want every person to fit into that mold. And they're going to, with pressure and with enticement, they're going to try to cause us to mold and to become like them so that when we pop out of that thing, we look just like them. We act just like them. We talk just like them. And Paul says that we are not to be conformed to this world. Is there a reason to be separated? Absolutely there is. Not because we're better than anyone else. We're sinners saved by the grace of God, just like anyone else. We're not better, we're not arrogant in that area, but we ought to be different in that area. It says, not, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. 
by the renewing of my mind, how in the world am I going to renew my mind? That, that's a difficult thing. How do I take a mind that has been filled with all of this stuff prior to salvation and cause it to have a new mind? In Philippians chapter 2, it's interesting that Paul writes there, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what servant. What does a servant do? A servant does his master's bidding. How am I going to renew my mind? I'm going to take the mind of Christ and I'm going to say, okay, I don't want my will. I want to do the Master's bidding. How do I know the Master's bidding? He tells us, doesn't he? Pretty clear. He teaches us so many times in Scripture what his heart is, what his mind is, what his bidding is. Hold your place here for a moment in Ephesians. Turn over to the book of Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. And uh, let's go to verse number 8, Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 8. Uh, you know what, let's back, up, uh, let's back up a little bit. Let's go to verse 7. Let's go to verse 5. Let's start in Genesis 1. And <laughs> you know what, I do think, let's, let's go to verse 1 of chapter 3. I think it will work well for us as we get down to verse number 8 and 9. If you then be risen with Christ... If you then be risen with Christ, who are these people? These are those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. They've died to the old nature. They've died to self and their old fleshly nature. And they try to walk after the things of the Spirit of God. They're risen with Christ. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is on the right hand of God, and set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Boy, that's a great verse, isn't it? We could preach a whole message on that. Where is our affection? What is it that we love more than anything? What is it? And by the way, if you want to know what your love is, what do you spend your time and your money on? It'll tell you real quick. What do we love? Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then ye shall also appear with Him in glory. Mortify, therefore... Your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also, notice this word, walked. If you remember some of your English or language from school, walked is past tense. In the time in, in which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. That was, hey, there was a time that I was involved in these things. There was a time that my, my, my uh, the Bible speaks of here, I was a children of disobedience and I walked this way after the flesh, after the things of the world. I used to be that way. But notice what he says in verse number 8. But now, because I'm risen with Christ, but now... Ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, notice this, out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, notice verse 10, and have what? Put on the new man, which is renewed. Now here's the renewal part of it. How am I going to renew my mind? Which is renewed by what? Or renewed in what? In knowledge. 
after the image of Him that created him. I found this to be true, that if my mind is going to be renewed, I need to saturate it with the Word of God. I need to saturate it with the knowledge of God. And one of the greatest sources you and I have to know God, to know who He is, what His heart is, what His thoughts are, is this wonderful book here. Can I tell you this? There's another way to know God, and that is by experience, by walking with Him daily, spending time with Him in prayer, spending time with Him in this book, watching how He works in our life, oftentimes helps us to know Him a lot better. And can I tell you this? There are things that we can see as we look around in our environment that also help us to know God. I can look at the lives of other brothers and sisters in Christ and see how God is working in their life. And it helps me to know God better. By the way, isn't it interesting that the Bible says this, and I don't believe in worshiping the creation rather than the Creator, but it is interesting that the Bible speaks quite often of the fact that nature itself beareth witness. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. You ever want to stop and try to figure out how big God is? Go out on a dark night in the middle of nowhere and look up at the sky and count the stars. See the vastness of space and then remember that the Bible says that He has measured the heavens in the span of His hand. And that wasn't a measurement of the heavens. That was to show the infiniteness of God. It helps us to know Him. How am I going to renew my mind? By knowledge. I've got to learn about Him. I've got to know Him. I've got to know His heart. I need to know the things that make Him happy. I need to know the things that grieve Him. And I can live my life then saying, I want to make Him happy. And I do not want to grieve Him. And by the way, it will help us in a lot of areas, won't it? In fact, Paul deals with them in Ephesians 5. If you'll turn back there with me for a moment. He begins by saying in verse number 24 that you put on the new man, which is which after God is created, notice this, in righteousness and true holiness. This new man, this new thing that started inside of us the day we trusted Him as our Savior. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, the Bible says. So he says in, in verse, 20, uh, verse number uh, 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created. So this new man is created, and he tells us how this new man is created. The new man is created in what? In righteousness and what? True holiness. There's a lot of people that say, well, uh, God knows my heart. So it really doesn't matter how I live. It absolutely matters how we live. Because the new nature that was created inside of me was not created the vile nature that my old man was. It was created in righteousness, and it was created in true holiness. And there now is inside of me, and ought to be inside of every one of us that trust Christ as our Savior, some desire, some, some, some uh, longing to do what is right rather than to do what is wrong. There ought to be conscience that when I do wrong and I follow after the old nature that I have, there ought to be a, a mortification in my heart. There ought to be a, a breaking in my heart. There ought to be a, a, a contrite spirit. There ought to be that brokenness that I have failed in pleasing Christ. Why? Because my new man was created in righteousness. And it was created in true holiness. We live in a day where, to be real frank with you, we, we don't have very high moral standards in comparison to Scripture, even among God's people. 
We've, we've grown lax over the years and we've gotten away from them. I think it would be a wonderful thing to have a return to them. I think that ought to be the desire of every one of our hearts. I think we ought to come to Scripture and say, Lord, show me, teach me. Find the wickedness that's in me. Find the things that are wrong in me. You know, I'll tell you this. There's been several times in my life I've gone to Him and I've said, Lord, if there's something there I'm missing, help me see it. You know, I've not one time ever prayed that, that He hasn't shown it to me. Not once. Every single time He'll make it apparent. And then there's things that we know are already there. We don't even have to ask God to show us. What about those? I want to show us something here in just a few minutes that I think is very, very important for us to understand about this. Because he says in verse number 25, Wherefore, because the new man was created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore put away, notice what he says here, lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, he's, he's going to put a pause on this teaching. He's dealing here, the first thing he deals with is what's coming out of this place right here, the mouth. He says, don't lie, speak the truth in love. And then he kind of stops the list for a moment and he interjects something here that oftentimes we misread and don't understand. He makes this statement in verse number 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And I've heard preachers get up and tell you... uh, uh, tell uh, married couples, uh, this is a Bible, this is a verse that tells you, don't go to bed mad. <laughs> I don't believe that's what this verse is speaking of here. Again, we've got to look at context. Where is the setting of this? It's right in the middle of him saying, look, we ought to love the righteous and holiness of the new man, and we ought to despise and hate the old man. Uh, the old man. So what he's dealing with here is that we are to be angry about the sin that our old nature keeps trying to to have. We're to despise that. Be angry, he says this, and sin not. Be angry of the sin and let that that anger help keep us from it. That we don't sin. And then he says this, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That doesn't mean to go to bed, not to go to bed mad. It means don't let that wrath ever disappear. Don't let the sun set on it. Be angry about your sin and don't let that anger for that sin ever wane. Keep it fired up. Keep it stirred up. Keep, their, keep that, that hatred for the things of the old man, keep it stirred up in our hearts to where we hate it, not just when we first got saved, not just when we went to the revival service and God spoke to our hearts, but we hate it all the time. And that sin is something that we despise, that we're angry about, that we grit our teeth and say, well, I wish that wouldn't be there. We get so comfortable with our sin. And if there's ever a verse of Scripture that tells us we ought not get comfortable with our sin, I think it's this verse. That we get angry over it. That we do not let the sun go down on our wrath about the sin, the old nature. You say, well, how do you know that? Because he also says this, neither give place to the devil. Be so angry about it that you're not going to let Satan tempt us. Let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may uh, have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communications proceed, communication proceed out of your mouth. And I want to help us with this, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So we find two things that we're to put off. We're to put off lying, 
And then we are to let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, both of them dealing with what we say. There is a third one given here, and that is that we are to put off stealing. Let him that stole steal no more. But two of the three things that are mentioned here deal with our tongue, what we say. Notice why he gives instruction on verse number 29. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of what? Edifying. What does the word edify mean? What does it mean to build up, to encourage, to strengthen? Every once in a while, I get a text from one of our church members. Pastor, I'm praying for you today. And man, I'm going to tell you what, that just gives me a shot in the arm for the day. I smile at that and I think, boy, somebody's praying for me today. And boy, what a joy that is. That little word of encouragement. Because it, it built me up. It, and it, I, if I've had a rough day, if I've been tired or not feeling well, uh, that does the world a good for me. If I get tired and weary on the inside in the, in the fight and the battle of, of, of fighting the spiritual warfare that goes on day in, day, day in and day out in our lives, that little word of encouragement does an awful lot to build us up and to strengthen us. So we're not to let the corrupt communication come out of our mouth, but we're to have communication come out of our mouth that is good to the use of edifying. It builds people up. That it may minister, notice this, what's the next word here? Grace. <laughs> what is grace? It's unmerited favor, isn't it? Well, Pastor, you just don't know what that person, man, that person, I, I, can't, I can't encourage him. You know what they did to me? They don't deserve it, do they? But the speech that I have is to minister grace to that person. Well, they're not what they should be, but I'm going to minister grace to them. Well, that, that's not deserved. They, they need to be raked over the coals. Is that edifying? Is that ministering grace? Two of the three things that Paul says that we're to put off, that we're, we're, to, we're to be hating, deal with our mouth. A lying mouth, the mouth that has corrupt communication. And he says this in verse number 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. I personally believe that these verses are still tied to the verses we've already read. That we, when we have these things in our life, when we do not hate the sinful condition of, our, of ourselves, and we have these things in our life, that there is a grieving of the Holy Spirit that takes place. When we let corrupt communication come out of our mouth, when we have lying in our mouth, when we have uh, this stealing going on, that these are things that are grieving the Holy Spirit of God. He says this in verse number 21, Let all bitterness, that, that, that affects what? What we say. Let all wrath, that affects what? What we say. And anger, that affects what we say. And clamor, that affects what we say. And evil speaking, that certainly is in reference to what we say. Be put away from you with all malice. It's not saying to put away the malice too. It's saying to put them away with malice. There ought to be, there ought to be such a disdain for those things. Such a hatred. Such a, a wrathful idea of this old nature that seems to be so deceitfully in, in control of my heart and my mind and my thoughts. 
says, let these things be put away with all malice and be ye what? Kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Paul, Paul, I think, is very, very wise in how he approaches the subject. He says there is, there is an old nature, there's a new man. The new man was created in righteousness and true holiness. He says because of that, there's some things you need to be very, very careful about. You need to be careful of a lying tongue. There ought never be a reason for anyone to, to lie. I, I said a, a number of weeks ago, <laughs> Uh, about the Andy Griffith show. I, one of the things I'd, I, I, I... There's times I've been entertained by it. I like old Barney Fife. I think he's hilarious. But I don't like when when uh, Andy teaches Opie that it's okay occasionally to tell a little white lie. That little white lie sent my Savior to the cross. I ought to put it off. Corrupt communication... Communication that is not for the purpose of edifying. Communication that would cause someone to maybe be wounded by what we say. Communication would be things that would certainly not minister grace to the hearer, but would be things that would be damaging to them. Paul says, put them away. Put them away. I think Paul teaches very clearly here that these things, if they are practiced in the Christian's life, are grieving to the Holy Spirit of God. I believe it's fairly clear from the passage. Because he continues the thought on, and be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We live in a day where maybe even good-intentioned, we oftentimes are abrasive and hurtful without realizing it. We've got to be so careful of these things. I believe we need to stand for truth. We need to stand for right. We've got to be careful. Is our speech seasoned with grace? Is there a kindness to it? I, years ago, we had a, a teacher in our school and one of the rules that she had, I think it was kindergarten or first grade, one of the rules that she had when the kids would come up to her at recess and try to tattle on some other kid out there, she would ask them three questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And if it didn't meet all three of those, she wouldn't let them tattle. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And I think there ought to be, among God's people, a mindset that it needs to be truthful, it needs to be kind, and it needs to be necessary before we say it. I believe anything less than that is to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I think anything less than that is to not be kind one to another. Anything less than that is not being tenderhearted. Why? Because our new man was created in righteousness and it was created in holiness. And that ought to be reflected in our speech. 
There ought to be something wholesome about our speech. There ought to be something right about our speech. There ought to be something different about our speech. And I hope that will be a help to us today. Let's stand together with heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. The message has been primarily for Christians today. Oftentimes we say things before we think. Sometimes we say things quickly or without considering. Is this something that's going to be edifying, helpful? Is it going to build somebody up? Is it going to teach them something that they didn't know before? Is it going to be a, a brother in Christ coming to a sister in Christ or vice versa? saying, I, I think there's some things that you ought to know about these things. Or is it done hurtfully? Is there, are there things that we got to be so careful about, even with the lost world? I've seen people that have come to a church service. I've seen people that have been in the workplace. And because they were un, uh, unsaved, their life reflected a certain type of lifestyle. And without intending to, we were abrasive. We've got to be so careful of these things. Are we are we allowing our speech to be seen as seasoned with grace? Are we allowing it to be kind and tender hearted? What about forgiveness? I don't know I don't know exactly how to even give the t- the invitation today other than to say this are we being gracious in our speech? Are we reflecting the new nature in the things that we say and how we go about saying them? Father, we pray that You'll bless the time that we spend for the next few moments reflecting on the truth from Your Word. Lord, not an easy message oftentimes to preach on because the truth is the book of James teaches us that our tongue is probably the most damaging thing and the hardest part of our body to tame. It's the hardest thing for us to bring into subjection and to bring in line with Scripture. Lord, I pray that You would help us to make the effort. Lord, that we would we would get wrathful and angry about the sinful condition of our, our conversation, our communications. That we would be able to be gracious. We would be able to speak truth in love, be able to be kind, edifying, building up, strengthening, encouraging, helping one another in these areas. So, Father, I pray that you'll bless the invitation. Lord, maybe some folks that uh, maybe needed to hear today. I know in my heart there are many times that uh, I've needed these, these thoughts and these messages to be applied. And so I pray that you'd help us to make some new commitments to you today, that we would learn to take our old nature, our old will, and put them under your will and say, Lord, I want, I want your will to be done in the area of my conversation, things that I say. May they be kind. May they be long-suffering. May they be forgiving. May they be tender-hearted. May they be gracious. And may they be edifying. I pray that you'll bless the invitation. Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know you as Savior, I pray that they would learn that issue and get that matter settled before they leave this place today, that they would understand that they need a Savior and uh, that they would make that decision for you today, put their faith and trust in you. We pray that you'll bless the time that is spent here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. We don't have a piano.
But if God spoke in your heart today, perhaps you'd come. Maybe there at your seat would be fine.